Excellent. So this morning I want to talk to you about religion. We're kicking off this. This is going to be our first uh, first message of probably a four-part series because I feel like we really got to get this into the culture for what I believe God has called us to do. It's so important um, that we know who we are and we know what God's called us to do. Uh, and one thing that I believe about religion is what religion has done in the name of God is it, it shut down opportunity. It's, it's put up obstacles, it's put up barriers for people to experience who God is. And so the reason we're doing this series right now in these early stages is because we need to get it in our veins. We need to get it in our heart that we are a people that are going to remove the obstacle of religion. And in this environment, in this body, it will have no part to play because we will always veer towards it. We will always be attracted to religion. And we'll talk about that in a minute. So religion, what do we think about religion? In 1095, some historical uh, events that happened related to religion. 1095, there was crusades and holy wars where approximately 20,000 men died in the church in 1095. And then we have in 1618 to 48, we have holy wars in Europe where there was approximately about 800 people wounded and even died in a holy war in the name of religion, in the name of God. And then we have just more recent, in September 11th, uh, in the United States, in New York, we seen, we know the story, a lot of us, were, were, we've seen two planes crash in to Twin Towers, and that was done in the name of God, to honor God uh, by Muslim jihadists, and they brought down a plane, and 3,000 people approximately died that day. All of these things have been done in the name of religion or the name of God. And even just locally here, as, as we, we have lived through tensions over the, the decades in relation to what is seen to be religion and outward form, uh, where people have done things for God and for Ulster. And they've done it supposedly to glorify God's name. And so what we're trying to do this morning is we're trying to strip that all back and come back to what is it, what are all those things all about? Where did it come from? Where did it begin? Um, it's set up to, there's up to 28 religious wars currently going on within the world right now. And so when I read these things and, and then I look, you know, here's a few examples. We've got Serbian Orthodox Christians. We've got Roman Catholics. We've got Muslims. We've got animists. We've got Christians, Hindus, Sikhs, Kurds, Shite Muslims, Sunni Muslims, Jews, Sans, Buddhists, Wahhabis, Sufi Muslims, and witches, all a part of religious wars. But that's only a few of thousands of different religions across the world. So we've got to ask the question, what is it all about? What is religion all about? It seems to cause more harm than it does good. And, and what does Jesus have to say about it? Does anybody want to know? One person, that's good. It's good to know Jude wants to know. Um, so what I want to talk to you about this morning is God wants stones and not bricks. Let's pray. God, I just pray and thank you, God, uh, that you love us, that you came and you sent your son, Jesus. Uh, he put on bones and flesh and he came with a message of freedom, a message of love and a message that transformed the world as we see it today forever. And we thank you for him in Jesus' name. Everyone said... Amen. So some of the things that, that some people have said when they think of the word religion, whether it be in Christian 
uh, circles or whether it be in non-Christian circles, they've said things like outward forms, outward forms, or they've said things like keeping the masses under control. You know, we've all thought that, like some people think certain religions are just there for control mechanisms. They're, they're based on fear. Um, if you don't do this or if you, you step out of the family genealogy or lineage or, or, or way of doing life culture, then, then there's a fear factor. Uh, then, then joyless, stuffy, boring, judgmental. Some people even said ladies wearing long skirts and no makeup. Uh. Man trying to control people. And then some of the other things we put on Instagram this week was uh, we talked about wars, uh, People feeling left out, not feeling good enough, shame, all those kind of things that people have experienced going into environments that represent God, supposedly. Um, And so a definition of religion, as we see on the screen there, it says religion is an outward act or form or a ritual. An outward act or form. So what does the Bible say? Well, the Bible actually doesn't use the word religion very much. There's a few occasions that the Bible uses that, and we're just going to turn to that right now. If you've got a Bible, you can open that up, or you can look to the screen. Uh, It says in James 1, 26 and 27, it says this, Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Now watch this. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure. So it's saying religion that God our Father accepts as pure pure. So that means that if God only accepts certain religions that are pure, it also means that there's religions that are impure. It accepts religions that are pure and faultless. So if he only accepts religions that are faultless, that means there's religions that have fault. Um, Is this to look after the orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world? And so what we see all around us lines up with what Jesus and what the Bible is saying is that religion a lot of the time has an outward form, but there's emptiness on the inside. There's no output from the inside. There's no heart on the inside. And so therefore, the the, the pure type of religion doesn't exist because purity comes from the inside. If If you're impure, it happens and starts on the inside, not on the outside. It's what you become impure not by being in a world with impurity. You become impure by letting the impurity in the world get in on the inside. Amen? And so that's why the Bible says, do not be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What it's saying is, what, he, what, the, what the Bible's trying to point us towards, what God's trying to say is that, listen, if you can get it right on the inside, if you can protect and purify the inside, then the outside will look after itself. But so often people miss the inside and they just start to do these outward acts of godliness or or what they think to be godliness and they're empty on the inside. Really what they're doing is they're trying to please man. They're trying to please their family. They're trying to please their grandparents. They're trying to please and it's empty and that's why we've always got to point people towards a personal relationship with Jesus. Because that's the only thing that can sustain you through hard times. It's the only thing that can sustain you through the fear of man. It's the only thing that can sustain you if someone is rejecting you. Oh, I love this. Did you know that if we're resur- R8 stands for resurrection, R for resurrection, and 8 for new beginnings or new life. 
the only way you can get new life in Christ, the only way you can experience the resurrection power that Jesus died for is when you walk. See, the, the resurrected power is paved by a road of rejection. To receive resu- resurrection power in your life, it's p- the road to resurrection power is paved with rejection. You see, what, if we're going to go and be light in the darkness, you know what that means? You've got to face conflict because light is the opposite of darkness. If you're going to go and present Jesus to someone and tell them something that, that they've maybe never heard or they don't agree with, you've got to come up against resistance first. I heard a story there about how someone was sharing with a friend just about how God loved them and Jesus died for them, and initially they rejected it. And that person felt rejection. See, the problem with that is if, if you are trying to please people, if you don't have boldness in your spirit and you, you don't know who, you, who God says you are, you won't reach anybody because you'll be too scared of what people think of you. But if you truly believe you've got the light of God, the love of God, the acceptance of God, the, the, the audience of one, then you can go and tell people good news whether they want it or not. I'm not, I'm not saying you ram it in their face. I'm saying you do it out of love, but you don't. your identity isn't found in their answer of acceptance or rejection. And so that's why resurrection power comes on the inside and is presented as an overflow on the outside. And so I love this story. So where did religion start? So we have, in the Bible talks at the start, some of us know the story of Noah and how Noah in the ark and God cleansed the earth. It was a fresh start. God had, had just said, we're going to start again because there's so much evil in the world. And so then we have uh, the story uh, of Noah. And Noah had three sons. He had Ham, Sham, and Japheth. And so what happens with Noah was he was out in the vineyard one day. And obviously the vineyard produces good wine. And so... Noah took a few too many glasses of wine. Like, no one in here would ever do that. But Noah, unfortunately, fell short, and and he took a few glasses of wine and ended up drunk. No one in here was doing that last night. I know that that would never happen in this holy gathering of people. And so what actually happened was he then got, they found Noah on the floor naked. And obviously no one in here has ever been found in the bush naked after taking too much wine. Right? And so they find Noah naked. And see, what happened with Noah is he had taken too many glasses. It wasn't intentional. It wasn't something that he had planned on doing. He had a, he had a, judgment, a judgmental error. He, he had, he had, a, he had a, an error in judgment. And so the three sons came along. And two of them hid him. Some of you know the story. They hid him. They tried to protect him. But there was one son, Ham, exposed him because of his mistake, because of his failure. And see, that's what religion does. Religion always tries to expose the people who have sinned. What what, what happened with Jesus and the woman who was a sinful woman? The religious leaders came along trying to expose her and they wanted to punish her. They forgot who they were. And that's why Jesus said, those who have not sinned cast the first stone. And it was funny, the Bible says that the eldest left first. Why? Because the longer you live, the (laughs) the more you realize that I really have not got this together. 
I'm more imperfect than I ever thought I was. The, the, the more I grow up, the more mistakes I've made, I realize, oh my word. And so the eldest left first. And so, and so it was funny, the scripture goes on to say, here in Genesis 9-4, when, when Noah woke up from his, from his stupor, he learned what Ham, his youngest son, had done. Then cursed Cana, the son of Ham. May Cana be cursed. May he be the lowest servant of his relatives. Why? Because he didn't get the heart of God. He was judging from the outside exterior. He was judging from performance. But God always looks at the heart, the Bible says. Man looks at the outward, but God looks at the heart. And so let's skip on a few generations. So we've got Ham over here. He sinned. Pride rose up in his spirit. He seen he could take advantage of his father. And so he acted upon that, and it didn't pride before. What happens? Pride before fall. When pride comes into your spirit, get ready because you're about to fall. And so then we have a few generations on. We have this mighty warrior rises up called Nimrod. And it was said that Nimrod was a mighty warrior. He, he, he was likened to the sons of Anarch, who, who were said to be giants before the flood, pre-flood. But he was post-flood, and so he was said to be the first of, of mighty warriors that had arrived in the land. And so at this point in the culture, he was obviously seen as a, as a leader probably because of his strength and his size and his might. And so within that culture, something was going on. They were always traveling. God, the Israelites were always traveling, trying to find land, trying to find the promised land. They're, they're, they're on a journey. And so that, this is where we pick up in Genesis 11, 1 and 3. It should be on the screen. It says, at one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same words. As the people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia and settled there. They began to say to each other, let's make bricks. Everyone say bricks. Let's make bricks and harden them with fire. And, and so in this region, bricks were used instead of stone. And tar was used instead of mortar. Tar was used instead of mortar. And see, what, the first point I want to make with you this morning is that, that religion always builds with bricks but God builds with stone. You see, the thing about a brick is, as you can see here, it's firstly, it's man-made. Every brick needs to look the same. Every brick has got the same shape, has got the same angles, has got the same look. It looks the same from the outside. And so because of the way man operates is we want bricks so we can pile them on, on top of one another and everyone is conformed into the same likeness. But, but the difference with a brick and a stone is a stone, every stone is different. A stone is found in the wilderness. You, don't have, you can't find a, a perfectly shaped brick in the wilderness, but you can find a stone. A stone doesn't have an exact shape. It doesn't have an exact size. It doesn't have an exact look. The, so, some stones are conglomerate. They, 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 I'm trying to remember back to my geography days. Conglomerate, is that, is that right, Carl? I have no clue. See, these teachers, they just follow the textbook. They don't even know what they're... I'm talking from, ex I'm talking from experience. <laughs> and so they don't have a shape, and, and they're just naturally formed and birthed on the earth. You see, that's God made the stone. God created the stone. You find the stone anywhere you go. 
different shapes, different sizes. So God builds, works with stone. And so actually, if you look back in the, the Old Testament, when God wanted to build a temple, he didn't want to use brick. He wanted to use stone. And I love that because it's such a simple example because what happens in the world that we live in is that we go on to Instagram, we go on to Facebook, we look at the social media, we look at uh, what the shape people's shape and we like I want to look like that guy I want to look like that girl I want to that I want to go to that place in that picture because it looks perfect it's got every shape that I would love to have it looks perfect in its sight it there's no indents there's no broken pieces it's 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 just what I'm attracted to See, man always creates perfection and fantasy, but the problem is it's not real life. And so what it actually does is, you see, if, what would happen if this brick fell and broke in two? Would a builder use it? Is it of any use for a man-made building? No. It gets thrown out. It gets rejected. It cannot be used. It's no no more use. We don't need that brick no more because it's it's got issues. (laughs) It's too emotional. It's too up and down. It doesn't fit the mold. How often have we been into church? Or or been into religious environments or friends even? How, How Maybe, have you ever looked at someone and said, they're not acting the way I want them to act. I can't be associated with you. You're not perfect. You're making me look bad. And so what happens when we have that mentality, and I hold my hand up, it comes naturally to us because what, what it means is, you see, when we say that and say someone's messed up or made a mistake, a friend, well, well what's happening is we're afraid if they associate with us, some other people mightn't like us. Why? Because we have a fear of man. And see, true relationships True friendships aren't based on a fear of man. That's why when you have a fear of God and God is your identity, you can be a good friend. You can have healthy relationships that, that, that don't disappear once things get hard, but they actually endure the storm with you. Why? Because they don't see the outward, they see the inward. They see the issue that they want to love you through. And that's the power of the gospel when you begin to look at people on the inside and see them for who they are and who God can create them to be and how God can, can intervene and change them. What happens is you begin to take the broken pieces. You, you begin to lift up the stones of humanity. You begin to look at all the different shapes and you say, listen, God loves you. God created you just the way you are. And yes, there's scars, and yes, there's broken pieces, and yes, your personality is different to mine, and yes, you don't do the things the way I would do them, but listen, God has created you to be a piece of the puzzle. And if you think about a a stone wall and a brick wall, the stone wall has got far more character. It's It's far more attractive. It's far better for an Instagram background. It costs more to build. Why? Because it takes longer. It's slower but it's more valuable. Can I get an amen? But how often do we come in to to church or to different environments and we feel like we're not good enough because I'm a stone, 
because I don't look like you, because I can't sing like you, because I can't speak like you, because I'm not as friendly as you, because my personality is more introverted and you're extroverted. Listen, I don't care what size of the stone you are. I don't care what shape you are. God doesn't care. He loves you just the way you are. With all of your issues, with all your mess, with all your craziness, with all your problems, God wants to use your stone to be a part of what he's building on his wall. Can I get an amen? But so often, because of our fear of man, we can so easily revert back to the brick. Oh, well, people will like me if I look like everyone else. <laughs> and say so that's what happens with religion. What do you see the religions of the world? What you see is a bunch of bricks, a bunch of people that all look the same, dress the same. They conform into the likeness. People always think that scripture is about oh, people who aren't in church. No, I've been into churches and everybody looks the same. All of a sudden, you know what frustrates me the most? When I've been into places that represent God, even Christianity, and you go in and someone is a stone. They're creative. They're created in God's image. They're fearfully and wonderfully made. They're natural. They're organic. And they become a Christian. They become a follower of Jesus, at least in outward form. And what happens is they begin to conform into the likeness and patterns of the world. What does that mean? I'm not even talking about getting drunk. I'm talking about they begin to lose their personality. They begin to lose their creativity. Listen, if you're crazy before you're a Christian, you should also be crazy when you're a Christian, just in a different way. If you're a party animal when you were a non-Christian and you didn't follow Jesus, guess what? You should be a party animal for Jesus. And I'm not saying that in a cheesy, weird, disconnected way. I'm saying that in a way that if you've got energy, if, you, if you've got an excitable personality, if you're the life of the party, well, that shouldn't stop. You should just use that in your sphere of influence to bring people to the feet of Jesus. If you're an intellectual type person before you got saved, you don't have to adapt and start becoming like the crazy person up at the front preaching because we're not trying to make clones if you're an intellectual person and you like to read and, and you're methodical, then you need to be like that, but you just use that to read up on some books, get some scripture into you, and teach some people about who God is. If you're good with kids and you like to work around kids and you've always had a desire to do it, well, well you don't just stop doing that because everyone's serving on the guest service or the welcome team or the worship team. You keep doing that and use the gift that God's placed on the inside of you. Play your piece of the puzzle and be a part of a team that is changing the world and, and it's being the light in the darkness. Am I making sense? I'm so passionate about this because I've seen how people have felt that they need to conform into the likeness of one another. God has not created you to be like anyone else. You're a, you're a stone, you're a piece of the wall that no one else can be. When you build a wall, you, it, it's just a case by case. It's like, right, what do we need now? I need I kind of a smaller stone to fit in that part of the wall, and then I can maybe put another bigger stone on top. You see, the shape doesn't matter for you to be a part, for you to be involved, for you to be a part of the team. But one thing I can tell you is we, God needs you. He wants you. You, you can reach people that other people can't. Because of your personality, because of the way you're wired, because of your shape. See, religion, bricks, chooses from the outward form, but God chooses by inward faith. 
See, if, if I'm religious in a church, and I start to think about, right, we need people that look like Hillsong on the stage, like, Matty, you better wear skinny jeans, mate, or you're not up here. Because I've seen Hillsong, and the Holy Spirit only comes when the skinnies are on. And you need, you know, we need at least two electric guitars, because if we don't, we're bait. Now, within reason, we want you to look respectable. We want you to wear clothing because it's a distraction if you don't. But at the same time, we, the church should never look the same. It should have the same heart to love. should have the same vision to reach. But it should never look the same in the outward exterior. Why? Because we're all different. With different, it should never necessarily sound the same as far as conversation. And so I just love that the Bible says it's through faith and patience that we inherit the promise of God, but it comes from the inside. You see, the shape doesn't... The problem is with shape is we start looking at different shapes and, and different outward exteriors, and we try to copy them. You lose who you are. You lose who God's called you to be, and you begin to actually experience the same void that you find in the world. Inside a church. But the shape isn't there to be an obstacle. It's there to be an opportunity because you're a part of the wall that no one else will be. It's not there to be an obstacle because you don't look like what the world looks like. Because God has made you in a different way. It's not an obstacle. It's an opportunity. You can do things that no one else can do. You're not... If you can't sing, you're probably not called to lead worship. But that's okay. Because that gives you an opportunity to do something these guys can't. Because they're too busy at worship practice preparing for the weekend. Who's out there evangelizing on the street to the youth? Who's out there with their family and their kids? So I know there's seasons that we all go through. You know, one of the holiest things that you can do as a parent is just to, to, to love your kids. It, there was There was... Research done there in Ireland, north and south. No, sorry, just south. And it, it was like, who makes the most impact on the next generation? It wasn't youth pastors. It wasn't a pastor. It wasn't anyone in church. It was the parents. <laughs> That's what changes the generations. It's in the small, insignificant places. It's not on a stage. No way. And so religion's found in outward form. We're not here to just look, who looks good for that person, who looks good for that. No, no. I tell you what, five for five last week, we had five people speak for five minutes. And you know how, you know how I, I looked at who, who, for the most part, there's different reasons, but a, a big reason to what motivated me to ask certain people to do it. Who's showing up? Who's showing up? I don't care who looks good. Who's showing up? Who's got faith? Because this is what I know. It's faith that shows up. When you have faith, if someone's got faith, you show up. That's in simple terms. If you want God to move in your life, if you want God to move through the local church, and you want God to use you through the local church, you know what you do? You show up. If you want to grow... Show up. If you want to get fitter and stronger, you show up at the gym. Especially when you don't feel like it. 
You keep pushing out reps, especially when you don't feel like it. You just keep showing up. And that's why if we focus on outward form, you see, outward form is focusing all about feelings. How do I feel? What do people think? Is this the right thing to do? Is everyone accepting me right now? Do I feel nice on the inside? Outward form is all about what are people thinking about me. I'm so sensitive to other people. I'm being controlled, manipulated by the culture to be something that God has not called me to be. So therefore, you will never be a light for God. Until you begin to have faith, genuine faith in who God says you are. Until you begin to preach to yourself that God loves you and speak it out loud. And see, when that happens, you don't need your friends to come with you. You don't need people to affirm you as much. Because your foundation isn't built on a brick. Your foundation is built on a stone. Jesus came and they called him who? The chief corner stone. What's the chief cornerstone? The chief cornerstone is the stone that the building needs to survive. If the, the chief cornerstone is removed, the, the building becomes unstable. That's why if you can accept yourself as a stone with all shapes and sizes, as God calling you to be who you're called to be, you're not like anyone else. You're not supposed to be like anyone else. If you can accept God for who he says you are, you know what happens? You get freedom. God begins to build your life on a cornerstone that is immovable, that when the enemy comes, when the world comes to reject you, it only brings you to resurrection power. And all you do is you keep moving forward. You keep growing upwards. You keep getting stronger. Because it's not based on outward form. It's not based on what people think about you. It's not based on what your friends are saying. It's not based on anything else but what Jesus says. And that's how the world has changed through the local church and it's, it's through personal relationship. But we've got to remove the obstacles of religion. Amen? We're near done. Come on. I just want to honor a great man, a great man of God at the back, Bob McAllister. Actually, I, I, I wish he was up preaching. But... Um, You know, it's a special thing when people have lived... Come on. When people have lived out a call of God in their life with boldness, and they face fear, even death, and they're still standing. And uh, I think there's just something about a generation, a baton being passed on to the next generation. I just think something special about Bob being here today. He's been in the Congo for, for decades. And, and if you haven't, I don't, they need to start putting that documentary online. Because I was looking for it um, just to show people. But it was like an hour, BBC done an hour documentary on, on Bob and his family. And it's ridiculous. It's real life, like it just, it, 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 you watch it like you're reading the Bible. And so I think it's just so important to honor what Bob and his family have done. And they're, they're, he's carrying it in. He's been a, a source of encouragement to me just as I, 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 as I listen to him and I, I watch him. Um, yeah, so there you go. And Patty's next. Get ready, Patty. Once that rugby career's over, you better hurry and get home.
But anyhow, and one thing it said in the Bible there about that instead of using mortar, they used tar, which is also another word for tar, is slime. And so often in religion, what you find is sometimes there's a wee bit of slime. Sometimes it's a wee bit, there's stuff goes on behind the scenes that shouldn't because the inside's not right. It's not pure. And so the slime comes out over the test, test of time. Stuff comes out you, you weren't expecting. And that's why it's so important from the get-go we say, listen, I'm going to say this time and time again, I'm not perfect. I've got impurity in me. I'm saved by grace. <laughs> and what that does is it creates a culture of, listen, I've already confessed my sin. <laughs> if you want to say, okay, Phil's got issues, I'm like, yep, I agree. What are you going to do now? Yeah, I'm not like, disagreeing with that. And so we've got, we got to create a culture where people can come in the door and know that, listen, there's a bunch of sinners in there that are not focusing on the evil of man or, or the, the faults of man, but they're focusing on the goodness of God. And that's what God uses. And we'll make mistakes like Noah did. You might end up on a bush one night naked. Too many wines. But we're going to help you move forward. We're going to protect you. I want you to be able to trust me, to talk to me, that I'm not going to expose you to the whole world because you made a mistake. I want you to, tr- to be able to trust people in here. Where we're, hey, what are we going to do? How are we going to fix this? And it's always a hard issue. It's always people drinking or, or using whatever. It could be food, getting addicted to food, getting addicted to Instagram, getting addicted to drugs. It's all the same stuff because it's a coping mechanism for what's going on in your heart. And the answer isn't found in the exterior feeling. It's found in an inward belief of who you are. When you fix that, no man in hell, no man, sorry, no man on earth, no devil in hell can stop you because you die to self. And you, you surrender to God's way and God's plan. And that's the most powerful thing you can do. And so it goes on, I love this, this is amazing. So what, what's happening here, they're about to, to form with bricks. They're about to build what we, we know as the, the Tower of Babel. And we're going to talk about this next week, the Tower of Babel. But what ends up happening is, read here in, in, in Genesis 11 and 4, it says, Then they said, Come, let's build a great city. You see, God wants to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. But here man is trying to build the kingdom of man to heaven. And what ends up happening, this is what they say, come let us build a great city for us. Not for God, for me. For ourselves. With a tower that reaches the sky. They're trying to reach heaven their own way. They're trying to do life their own way. They're trying to create an experience of heaven in man-made form. They will make us famous. They're trying to lift up their own name. Nimrod, a great warrior, he had pride, lifted up his own name. He didn't know how to deal with his strength. Ham, pride, he wanted to take away Noah. He wanted to use Noah's name, Noah's value, Noah's resource to lift up his own name. Here they're trying to lift up, let's become great in ourselves. Make us famous, keep us from being scattered. 
across the earth. Everyone says scattered. So what happens is when we begin to lift up our own name, we begin to try and control the environment. We begin to try and create greatness for ourselves. Pride begins to rise up in us. And we try to stay where we are. Because, you see, when you stay, you don't move. You don't change. You don't become better. You, you stay stuck. You see things that stay? A statue stays. What is a statue? A statue's dead. It's lifeless. It's boring. It's okay from the exterior, but it doesn't have a heart. That's why when religion kicks in, you stop growing. If you find it in your Christian walk that you're, start, starting, you're stopping to grow with your, in your relationship with Jesus, religion's kicking in. You're getting comfortable. You want to stay the same. That's why in this place, get, we're always going to be a, an environment, a culture that grows. But you know what that looks like? You're never going to stay the same. We're going to ask you to share a little bit sometimes. We're not going to force you. We're going to ask you. Why? Because we don't want you to stay the same. I don't want Ian to stay the way he is. I love him just the way he is, but he's got more. There's more on the inside of him. God's using him as a vessel to take what's in heaven to work through him and to deliver to the world. There's more. But if you've got religion, you will stay stuck. You won't want to move. I don't want to serve. I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to pray. I don't want to read my Bible. That's, I just want to stay easy. No. That's not who we are. There's, if you want, there's plenty of places you can go if you want to stay stuck. And you just want to go into church and walk out and walk in and walk out. But listen, we're going to be a light in the darkness. We're going to see God do great things. We're going to give Him the glory. It's not about us. We're not trying to lift our name up. There's one name we're trying to lift up, and that's the name of Jesus. And when we lift that name, God will draw all men unto Himself. So religion always wants to stay the same. It wants the same shape. But God always wants to go. Now watch this. Watch this. So they didn't want to be scattered. Let's keep it all together. Keep it together. Don't move. I, I, I want to protect everything. I don't want anything changing. I'm, I'm, I'm too afraid. I'm too, I want to control this because I'm so... See, see, control comes out of a place of fear, not out of faith. That's why when you have faith, you know what happens? You begin to move into the unknown. You begin to speak to people that you never spoke to. You begin to share your heart and speak life over people. Why? Because you're not staying the same. You're beginning to affect the environment. Yes, you've went to work 99 times out of 100, but maybe one time God has called you just to step out and speak to someone like you've never spoke to them before. Give them faith. Give them encouragement. Speak prophetically over their life. Why? Because you're not staying the same. And what does the Great Commission say? Does it say to stay? No. Matthew 6.33, what, what does it say? Oh, sorry, no, that's wrong. The Great Commission, what's it say? Go into all the world. You see, what was happening here, when man tries, when religion tries to intervene and do it his own way, you know what happens? It does the opposite of God's heart. They were trying to stay, stop us from scattering, stop us from moving out and moving away. Let's stay but God's mission for the earth was to scatter and to go forth into all the world, preaching to all the nations. Amen? And so religion always goes against the heart of God. I love that. 
See, man's way is always about control, maintaining control, and that's why religion has been used over the decades and the centuries to control people because it works, but it's always based on fear. And it's always about self. And that's why when religious people come and, and, and or you feel your spirit begin to become judgmental of other people, you've got to catch yourself and realign and remember who you are. That God, I thank you that you've saved me by grace. And I'm a sinner just like that person, just like Noah. I'm, I, I, I could make that mistake tomorrow, in the next moment. It's not about me. And see, religion always puffs up. It always makes me feel better than someone because I'm attending church three times a week. That's not God's heart. <laughs> You're about to fall. You're about to fall from the grace of God. And when that happens, it's not good. You don't grow. You stay the same. You become bitter. You'll not have the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You'll have the opposite. And so that's what's done this morning. I'm just so thankful that God loves us so much that He doesn't want us to stay the same. And so I think it's just so important this morning that that we receive His grace and that we understand that we're stones. And for some of us, maybe we've had anxiety. And it's because you're trying... You know why? Anxiety comes from a place of control and, and, and a lot of the time. And, and obviously that can mess with your wiring and, and, and your, your brain activity. And it can produce all kinds of chemicals that, that can make you feel really bad and down. And I, I understand there's some things I don't understand too. But a lot of the times when we just have a kind of surface anxiety, it's because we're trying to be something that we're not. We're trying, we wish we were a shape we weren't. We're thinking about gifts that we don't have. Instead of, allow, just be who God's called you to be. Believe who God says you are. Don't, don't conform to what the world says. That you have to be like this or like that. Just receive freedom. But it comes in the form of a stone and not a brick. Let's go ahead and Stand our feet and let's pray.